This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. G'day, thanks for joining us. My name is Nathan. I'm the lead pastor of LifeGate Church. We're going to continue our All In series looking at the Apostle Paul today. So I encourage you to pray with us and then we'll dive in. Father, we thank you that we can gather together in our homes, in our buildings to worship you, to honour you and to come under your word, to read your word and to hear what your word has to say to us. Father, as I speak today, I pray you'll give me your words that I'll speak in a way your people can understand and for everyone's listening, give us ears and hearts open to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, from the age of about 18, I was a youth leader in, a, in another church, and I did it for about 10 years, and I, let me tell you, I loved it. Um, Friday nights was one of the highlights of my week. And at, at the age of about 25, just before I was married, I was also leading this uh, youth ministry with, with my fiance Michelle, and uh, we would run these great nights for the young people and tell them about Jesus. But then afterwards, once all the kids went home, the uh, leaders would hang out on a Friday night in the, um, in the uh, church hall and we would regularly play games. We'd play games of cricket, we'd play games of soccer and let me tell you, those games were all in. It was diving, it was um, effort, it was smashing the ball and one night we decided to play hockey. So I was a teacher so I brought all these hockey sticks home from school and we uh, played hockey in the hall on a Friday night after the youth ministry. And we weren't using a hockey puck. We were using a tennis ball. And so I was on one team with a few other people and we're whacking the ball. And on the other team was a guy named Scott. And, he, and you uh, may know him. He was one of our youth leaders. And uh, he was, uh, the, our score was tight. It was coming towards the end of the game. And, and our Scott had a pretty good shot at goal. And, and he didn't just try and flick it. He got the full swing like this and went whack. Well, as I saw that ball being flown across the room towards the goal, as I said, I was all in. It was an all-in game. So I dived across in front of the goals. And as I did, that tennis ball smacked me straight in the eye. I reckon I blacked out for a second, then came two. It hurt. But because of the adrenaline and we wanted to win the game, we kept on going, kept on playing. Well, after a few minutes, my, my fiancé said to me, Nathan, come here. I, I, I want to check if you're okay. And she looked in my eyes and she said, Nathan, one of your pupils is bigger than the other. I think I better take you to hospital. So, okay, dear. So we went to um, Bankstown Emergency Hospital and sat there and got checked out by a doctor. And they said, there's nothing wrong with you. You just happen to have different sized pupils. And I still have different sized pupils today. And so does my son. Must be genetic, hey? I share that story because it's a story of being all in, being all in at sport. And, and as we're looking at this all-in series, we're talking about what it means to be all-in for Jesus, where we live a life where we choose to honour him with every area of our lives, where we live a life dedicated, focused upon him, where we recognise life isn't just about us, but it's actually about God and his story, and he invites us to pay a part in his story. And as we talk about being all-in, there's a couple of parts to it. Firstly, we talk about a desire to be all in. There needs to be something that is within us where we say, God, I want to honour you with my life. And secondly, we talk about making deliberate choices. 
throughout life, we have circumstance, we have situation that comes up. In every situation, circumstance, we have an opportunity to make a choice, to honour God or to do the thing that pleases ourselves. Sometimes the things that we do pleases ourselves does honour God. But when we talk about all in, we're talking about living lives that come under his authority, under his lordship, and live in a way that, that pleases him. And today, as I said in the beginning, we're going to look at Paul. He is one of the most prominent figures in the New Testament. He wrote half of the New Testament. He was an incredible man. The first time we hear about Paul, who was at the time named Saul, um, God changed his name in Acts chapter 13 from Saul to Paul. But when we first find out about this Paul character, he's called Saul. And we read about him in Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 7 and Acts chapter 8, there is this Christian named Stephen who is sharing his faith. And these Jewish religious leaders didn't like what he was saying, so they picked up stones and they threw them at him until they killed him. And it says that the people that threw the stones laid their coats at the feet of a guy named Saul. In other words, he was the one who gave authority to Stephen's death. See, Saul or Paul didn't start out as a Christian, he started out as a Jewish religious leader, a Pharisee. And let me tell you, he was all in in that. He was all in as, in, all in as a Pharisee. Christianity at, in the first century was, was, was gaining traction, was, was gaining momentum. And, and more and more Jewish people were committing their life to Jesus. So the Jewish religious leaders saw Christianity as a threat to their standing in society, to their um, culture to, to their way of living. And so they tried to shut down this Christianity movement. And so people like Paul, Saul, Paul, got um, authority from, from the, the uh, chief priests, the people in the highest ranks of the Pharisees to go and to find people who are Christians and lock them up and in some cases even have them killed. And in Acts chapter 9, that's what we see with Paul. He's on his way to Damascus to go and find the Christians there, the people who have committed their life to Jesus, and to put them in prison. And, and on his way, in Acts chapter 9, we read that he has this incredible encounter with Jesus, that our Jesus turns up to him. And at that moment, Paul is radically transformed, radically changed. And instead of being all in against Jesus, he then goes and lives a life that is all in for Jesus. And the text that we're going to look at today points to Paul living a life where he is all in for Jesus. Our text today is from Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to look at about 12 verses, verse 12 through 24. Before we read the text, let me give you some context. Uh, Philippi, um, Philippians is written to the church in Philippi, and Philippi is currently in uh, modern-day Greece. If you read the book of Acts, which is the act of the apostles, Paul went there in Acts chapter 16 where he met a woman named Lydia and she committed a life to Jesus and a, and a, and a, a church was started in, in her house. In that city, Paul is flogged, chucked in prison, then he's released by, by a move of God and he goes on from there and continues to preach the gospel. Some years later, about 60 AD we believe, Paul's in a prison. could be Caesarea, could be Rome, we're unsure, where, could be Ephesus, we're unsure where this prison is. But he's in prison and he wants to continue to live an all-in life in prison. 
So he writes letters to the churches that he planted, churches that he's been to, churches that he wanted to encourage. And as we look at the letter to, to, to the Philippians, this is one of his, his letters where he's in prison writing back to the church he planted, encouraging them in their faith. So that's the context of Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 24. And, and as we look at this text, I, I want to highlight two things. There are two main parts of this text. The first is this. Paul chose the, the advancement of the gospel over his own circumstance. That's what we're about to read in this text, that Paul chose the advancement of the gospel over his circumstance. And the second thing we see in this text is this, that Jesus is most important in Paul's life. If I ask you the question, what's most important in your life? I wonder if you'd answer in the same way Paul did, that our Jesus is the most important person, the most important thing, the most important in his life. And if we're Christians, God wants Jesus to be the most important person in most important thing, just the most important in, in our lives. So what we're going to do, we're going to start with this first thought. Paul chose the advancement of the gospel over his own circumstances. And we're going to look at verse 12 through 18. Let's look at the text now. Paul writes this to the church in Philippi. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. What has happened to him? Remember, he's been locked up in prison. In that city of Rome or Caesarea or Ephesus, we don't know where, but, but, but we know he's in a prison. And he's writing that now that he's in prison, and why is he in prison? He hasn't stolen anything. He hasn't killed anybody. Like He's not in trouble for Stephen's death. He's in prison because he's preaching the message of Jesus. He's proclaiming what Jesus has done. And as a result, people didn't like it and they locked him up for it. He's in prison because of his preaching of, the, of this gospel, which is the good news about Jesus. And he says, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. The, uh, the message of Jesus has gone forward because of what's happened to him. Verse 13, as a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard. He's in prison and the people in the palace have found out that, he is, that he's a Christian and he's in prison because he's a Christian and he's sharing the message of Jesus. And it says, and to everybody else that I'm in chains to Christ. It's become clear that I'm in chains, that I'm locked up in prison because of this message of Jesus. He then goes on in verse 14 and says, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear, the good news of Jesus without fear. I remember as a kid where we went on holidays, there was a, there's a bridge and we still go there on holidays all these years later. There's a bridge. And, and I used to see kids getting on the railing of that bridge and jumping off that bridge into the water. It might be three or four metres down into the water. Some people would do backflips, front flips, diving, jumping off. And as a little kid, I'd go, wow, that's, that, that's awesome. I'd love to do that. And unfortunately, mum said no. Until I was a bit older, maybe 15 years of age or something like that. And, and, I, and I, I went down to the bridge with, with, with a few friends and I said, hey, let's jump off the bridge together. So we'd uh, never done it before. So we, so we all tentatively climbed over the railing looking down that three or four metre drop into the water and, and we looked across the bridge thinking to ourselves, who's going to go first? Who's going to go first? And then one of my friends went first and as soon as he went, everybody else jumped in because his confidence gave us all confidence to all jumping off that bridge. 
And that's what we see here in this text, that Paul has gone first in proclaiming the message of the gospel. Yes, it's, it's landed him in prison. And to proclaim the message of Jesus in the first century was a big risk. We are, re- we are reading Hebrews chapter 10, what was happening to us, some of the believers. They had confiscation of property. They were rejected by people. They were chucked in prison. And we see, like I've mentioned in Acts chapter 7 and 8, Stephen, one of the Christians, was killed for his faith. Being a Christian was risky. Sharing your faith as a Christian was risky, much riskier than it is living in Australia. Around the world, in some nations, it is super risky to share your faith. And they believe more Christians died in the 21st century than all the years beforehand combined for people sharing their faith, people who shared their faith. More died in, that, in, the, in, the 20, in the 20th century than all the years combined before that. Being a Christian now is risky in some nations to share your faith. In Australia, we are still free to do that. It's becoming more difficult. Christianity is more on the nose. But we can still share freely in this nation. And what Paul is saying is because Paul's gone first. It's encouraged others to share their faith. And friends, that's, that's why sharing your testimonies, of, of you sharing your faith is so important. When your brothers and sisters in Christ hear you sharing the story of how you shared your faith, what it does, it encourages them to share their faith. So the first thing I want you to see here is just as Paul went first and, and, and as, as that encouraged other believers to share their faith, It's important that we, when we share our faith, tell others about it because it encourages them to share their faith. He then goes on in verse 15 and he says, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. In this verse, Paul is saying that that our people at the time are preaching the message of Jesus for different purposes. He explains it more in verse 16. He says, The latter do so out of love knowing that I'm put here for the offence of the gospel, that, that, are, that are some are preaching the message with our good intentions. And that is because they love people. They care about people. They want people to hear the good news of Jesus. But then he goes on to verse 17 to say, the former preached Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. Now, I don't understand this verse. What Paul's getting at, is that people are preaching Jesus to, to uh, benefit themselves, but also make it harder for Paul. Now, we don't know what was going on at the time, but because of what they were doing, it was making it harder for Paul. How? We don't know. But that's what he says. But then look, at, look, look, what, it, look what Paul says in verse 18. He then goes on to say this, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Whatever their motives are, whether or not they're they're doing the right motives, which is loving, or the wrong motives, which is actually making it harder for me in prison, that people's pointing the finger at me is worse, I don't care because what's most important is that the message of Jesus is preached, and because of that, he rejoices. The first thought is this, Paul chose the advancement of the gospel over his own circumstances. He starts by saying, because I've preached the gospel, 
People are, um, and, and, and because of my situation of me being in chains, because I went first, more people are preaching the gospel. And then he goes on to say in the second part of this first point is that people are preaching from good motives to wrong motives. Even though the wrong motives make it harder for me, it doesn't matter because what's most important is that Christ is preached. Here, Paul chooses to be all in because he goes with what is God's agenda and that is the proclamation of the good news of Jesus, that our Jesus has come to set the captives free, that he died on that cross. He made a way for our sin to be forgiven, to our, for our relationship with God to be restored, for the death sentence to be put on Jesus rather than us, and through his resurrection that we can have eternal life. Friends, that is the good news. And Paul is super passionate about this good news being proclaimed. He's willing for his own circumstance to be hindered, to be more difficult as long as the message of Jesus goes forward. Now I ask this question, there's the thought, why does Paul respond this way? Because he believed the message of Jesus. He was convinced. He was so convinced that it is the message of Jesus that gives people life. Without the good news of Jesus, people are lost. The Bible says that our eternity is an eternity of death, separated from God forever once we finish this life. But Paul is convinced that Jesus has come, that he died and through his death and resurrection, he's made a way for us to live with God forever, for our relationship to be with God to be restored, for our sin to be forgiven, for our death sentence to be carried by Jesus, and we can have eternal life. Why does Paul do it? Because he's convinced. And it's important that as you're listening to this, we ask ourselves the question, do we really believe that this gospel message is true? You know, we can say we believe it. We can say we're Christians. We can say that we are saved by Jesus. But I want to ask you, do you really believe it? Because if you really believe it, it will affect the way that you live. It will affect the choices you make. It will affect if, if you, how you proclaim it to the people that you love and you care about. Because if you're convinced that this message is true. You'll be living an all-in life where you display God's goodness by the way that you live. If you're convinced, you'll be proclaiming the message of Jesus to the people that you love in your workplaces, in your universities, in your schools, to your friendship groups. You'll be telling them through your words and your actions that there is good news and it is through Jesus. So I ask you, how true is this message for you? Are you happy to have circumstances that aren't so great in your life for the sake of the gospel, that the gospel message goes, goes forward? And what I'm talking about here is sacrifice, where we choose to lay down what we think is best, our personal preference, for the sake of proclaiming the message of Jesus to the world. And let me tell you, there's sacrifice to that. It could mean going against the flow. A few weeks ago, we did a message around Joshua and how everybody said, let's go this way. And he said, no, let's go God's way. And that might mean you need to do that in, in, in the situations, in the peer groups in which you're living, the peer groups in which you hang out. You say, no, I'm not going to be part of that because I'm going to choose to be obedient to God. And that can mean rejection for you. And that rejection, friends, is a sacrifice we need to be willing to make to honour God. Maybe it's sharing the message of Jesus in the workplace where everybody knows in your workplace that you're a Christian. 
And for some people, they'll celebrate that, but other people, they will look down on you. They may treat you poorly. You may not get the opportunities. You may not get the promotion. And again, there is sacrifice to proclaiming the name of Jesus. Maybe it's around finance. God has given you this finance for you to use and, and you have an opportunity and you get to choose how you use it. And you can use it all on yourself and all on excitement and, and doing things and make yourself feel good, Living, using it in however you want. But, uh, but uh, God wants us to use that finance for his purpose and his glory. Yes, we're to look after our family. We need to pay the bills, do all those sorts of things. But God wants us to put a portion of that money aside to give to his church to give to the work of the gospel, to mission organisations like stuff that we, um, like Transform Cambodia that we support. God wants us to be sacrificial in our giving. Where we don't keep all the money for ourselves, but rather we give it and we're generous for the spreading of the gospel. Another thought is, is, is the way we use our time. You know, hobbies is, is, are good for us. Time out doing hobbies is good. Watching television sometimes can be helpful, but... If our, that, if, if our hobbies in our television is, is, is getting in the way of us being a light for Jesus, spending time with other people in order to present the gospel, friends, we need to sacrifice some of our hobby time, some of our TV time, so that we can, we can focus on the advancement of the gospel. It may mean um, following God's call and going to another part of this planet giving up your, your job now, your security, your relationships now and going to another part of the world and proclaiming the message of Jesus. We, we are called missionaries. Friends, these are sacrifices that our God wants us to make if we're going to live an all-in life. I remember I was a teacher um, for, for, for nine years in a school and, and I made it very obvious I was a Christian. And some of the teachers, there was a few Christian teachers in the school just loved that. And I helped SRE in the school. I was the main, the person who oversaw it and, and helped the teachers, um, the SRE teachers as they come in, teach scripture to, to the kids. But there was a number of teachers that looked down on me, that treated me poorly, and even the principal was super anti-Christian. And she treated me poorly, I believe, because of my faith in Jesus. Friends, that's a sacrifice for the proclamation of the gospel. I remember when I was 17 at school where I got super serious about Jesus and I was sharing my faith with my friends. Maybe, maybe it was too much. I remember one time they uh, gaffer taped me to a seat. There was these big bench seats and they held me down and they gaffer taped me and they left me there after recess and the, and the deputy principal came and found me. And the reason they gaffer taped me because I kept talking about Jesus. That's what they said. Now, that was a bit of fun. But uh, what was more um, difficult was that my friends... Um, stopped inviting me to their things because at their parties I, I wasn't doing the things that they were doing and I was living a different way and talking about Jesus and they, and, and they, and they pushed me away. Again, another sacrifice for the gospel. And if, and, and if we're going to be all in for Jesus, we need to be willing to sacrifice. We need to be willing to do things differently. And it means people may treat us poorly. So here's another thought for you, another question. Are we putting ourselves in a place to be treated poorly? <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you putting your relationship with Jesus out there so that people know about it, <laughs> that there's even an opportunity for people to, re to respond positively or negatively 
See, some people call themselves Christians and they, and they hide it. Jesus talks about a, um, a light that you don't put it under, that you don't cover your light up, rather you let your light shine. And as a Christian, God wants us to shine our light, to tell people we're believers in our words, in our actions, that we shine the light of Jesus, that we give people the opportunity to respond to Him. But I wonder if you are putting yourself out there that people can respond to your faith in Jesus. It, could people reject you because of your faith in Jesus? Do you put yourself out there to be even treated poorly? And which goes back to this question I asked before, do we really believe the gospel message? You know, we, we are, say we're Christians, we say we believe it, but do we really? Because if we really believe this message that it's only through Jesus that people can be saved, we're going to live in a way that proclaims that to the world. So there's our first thought, friends. Paul chose the advancement of the gospel over his own circumstance, and that is the exact thing God wants for us, that we would choose the proclamation, that the, the advancement of the message of Jesus over our own circumstance. The second part of this text well, that we see from verse 20 through 24 Paul declares very clearly that Jesus is most important in his life. Now, if I asked you to, to, to create a list of priorities in, um, for your life, I reckon they would look, up, look something like this. Now, this, if, this is if you're a bloke and, you, and, and if you believe you're a follower of Jesus, say, well, Jesus is first, my wife is second. If you're a lady, you can put your husband in there. Then maybe your kids or your work or your church, and there's an argument for church and work to go on the other way. But there's a, there's a general list of priorities. And if we call ourselves Christians, what we, what we normally do is put Jesus at the top. But I, but I wonder how true that is for you. We say that Jesus is the most important person in our lives, but I wonder if that's really true. Let's have a look at what Paul says in verse 20, because it's really true for Paul. He writes, I eagerly expect and hope, remember he's writing from prison here, that I will no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. Whether I'm killed in this prison or whether I'm released and keep on living, my prayer and my hope is that I will not be ashamed, but I'll have sufficient courage to keep on going, to keep on living for Jesus, that God will be lifted up, that he would be exalted in my body and in my life. Now, now, now it's easy to say that. And in Romans chapter 1, in verse 16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation, first the Jew and the Gentile. It is the power of God for salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And it's easy to say those things when there's no pressure, when there's no persecution. But Paul declares this in prison, knowing that his life could be taken at any moment, knowing that he could be whipped and punished and flogged in that prison, or he could be released. And he says, no matter what happens, whether I die in this prison or whether I am released, I hope my prayer is that Christ will be exalted in my body, whether I live or by death. Paul is all in for Jesus. Jesus is most important in his life. Look at verse 21. He has this incredible verse. We used to sing this song that had this verse in it, which I loved. It's an incredible verse. He says this, For to me, to live is Christ." It's all about Christ, and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I wonder if you can say that about your life. 
Paul says it honestly here and he goes on and explains what he means in verse 21. He says, if I go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. If I, in other words, if I keep on living, if I get out of this prison, if I'm not killed in this prison, I'm going to continue to live for Jesus. I'm going to continue to preach Jesus. I'm going to continue to lead people to Jesus. I'm going to continue to encourage God's church to live in all in life. It's That's the fruitful labour that he's talking about. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Paul says his desire is to go and die and be with Christ, which is better by far. And then in verse 24, he says, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. You know, when we talk about death today, we often see death as a really bad thing, as a really negative thing. And what we do in our society is try and extend people's life as, as, as long as possible. And, and doctors have an oath about extending life and, and giving people a, um, the best life they can have. And, and in lots of ways, that's really positive and really beautiful. But Paul sees it differently. Paul says that right now I actually would prefer to go and be with Jesus, to die now. Why would Paul say that? Because he knows what's ahead of him. Paul is convinced that when he closes his eyes, has his last breath, that he's going to go be with Jesus for eternity. Where there's no more weeping, where there's no more pain, where there's no more death. The place where he has finished the race. He has completed the task that God has to him, where he's going to stand before God and God's going to say to him, well done, good and faithful servant. He knows what Jesus has said about building a place for him. He knows what our heaven is like. He's had visions of it. He talks about the man. He's had visions of the, of the third heaven. He's had pictures of, of what heaven is like, and he's so convinced that heaven is so wonderful and beautiful that he longs to go there. And as Christians, we should have the same view of death, that we should not be afraid of death because death is the next step in the most beautiful, wonderful journey for the believer. Now, I'm not saying that we all go pop ourselves or top ourselves or end life. No, we are to live and we're to extend life as long as we can because God has fruitful labour for us now. We're to keep on living and serving God. But we should not be afraid of death because what is to come is beautiful. And the other part of this verse in verse 24, he says, it's necessary for you that I remain in the body. Um, and I'm convinced that I'm going to keep living here. Why? Because I'm here to serve you. I'm here to serve his church. Church in Philippi, I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to encourage you to keep on going and keep on living for God. Friends, Paul lived an all-in life. Whether he goes to be with Jesus, which he longs for, which he's excited about, or whether living now, he's living an all-in life. What we've seen in this text is two parts. This is the second thought. Jesus is most important in Paul's life. That's what we just saw in that text. Here are the two thoughts for today. The first one is this. Paul chose the advancement of the gospel over his own circumstance. And if we're going to do that, it means sacrifice for us. And the second thing we see in this text is Jesus is most important in Paul's life. So based on those two thoughts, here are two, here are two questions that I want you to think about and ponder. The first one is this. What sacrifices are we willing to make 
for the advancement of the gospel. Let's make it really personal. What sacrifices are you willing to make for the advancement of the gospel? That sacrifice could be around money. It could be around reputation. It could be around advancement and career. It could be around friendships. It could be around lifestyle. If, if we believe the gospel is true, we will sacrifice to proclaim it. And the second question I want you to ponder is this. What is most important to you? What is, sorry, what is more important to you than Jesus? You know, if you call yourself a Christian, if you want to be a Christian, the Christian way is to have Jesus as number one. But yet often we get other things in the way, other priorities in the way. And once we recognize these priorities, we've got to recognize they're wrong and we've got to change and we've got to say, Jesus, I want to be all in for you and we've got to make choices to live his way. So I want to give you 30 seconds, 30 seconds now to ponder these questions, to consider them, to pray and reflect and ask God around the sacrifices, the sacrifice that you need to make for the proclamation of the gospel. Or if there's something that you know is more important than Jesus in your life, repent of that now. Come back to him, repent. And choose to have Jesus as number one. Take some time, process, pray. As we look at the uh, life of the Apostle Paul, and as we see him living an all-in life, we see him sacrificing his own life for the sake of the, for the message of Jesus that it will go forward. We see Jesus is most important, and I reckon all these things come down to the encounter that that I, that our Paul had with Jesus in Acts chapter nine on the road to Damascus, where he had an encounter with Jesus that that radically transformed his life. And you can choose to make sacrifice. You can choose to have Jesus as the most important in your life. You can choose that. Or you can be compelled for those things. And if you you want to be compelled to sacrifice, if you want to be compelled for Jesus to be number one, let me encourage you to have an encounter with Jesus. Not just one, but over and over and over again where you meet Him, where He speaks, where He touches your life by His Spirit, where He moves with you and keep encountering Jesus for yourself. And that will motivate you and compel you to sacrifice and that will motivate you and compel you to have Him as number one. So we're going to finish in prayer. And if you want an encounter with Jesus, I'm going to pray a prayer. It's going to be a prayer to commit your life to Jesus. But as I pray, and if you're already a believer, I want you to pray that, that, uh, that uh, God would make Himself known to you, that, uh, that uh, Jesus will be so close that He'll be speaking, that He'll be moving in your life, and that moving will compel you to live a life of sacrifice, that that, that that compelling would lead you to live a life where Jesus is number one. I'm going to pray. I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father in heaven, Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. 
I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' Name, Amen. I want to continue to pray and for every believer that we would be, Lord, for every believer, everyone who's prayed that prayer either today or in the past, that we would continue to have encounters with You, that we continue to seek after You and meet with You and listen to You. And as You meet with us, God, we'll be so impacted by who You are and what You've done that we will live a life of sacrifice and we will live a life where Jesus is number one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you want more prayer, I encourage you to click on the prayer tab or if you're in one of our facilities, go to the start here desk. Continue to pursue Jesus. Live a life of sacrifice. Have Him as number one. And by that, you'll be living an all-in life. Thanks for being part of it. God bless you. Thanks for checking out this message. My name is Andrew and I'm the... Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church Podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers.